0: Welcome back to the Kicks and Picks podcast. Coach Steve here with Scotty and Nick. Coming off a a winning week record-wise, not much from the unit side, but 5-4-1, we bounced back from a losing week the week before. So baby steps here, guys. Baby steps as we approach 2024. I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas if you celebrate and are getting ready to start off a big winning 2024 in in a week's time. But before we get there, we have some big matches to talk about. We're going to cover the Premier League. We're just about the halfway point. In that league said yeah, a couple matches away as well. So, boys, hope you had a good Christmas and I hope you're ready to give out some winners in our last match week of 2023.
1: Yeah. This time of year it's all about survive in advance, both for the uh the clubs themselves and for the guys that are betting on them. So five, four, and one last week, not a terrible performance, all things considered. And we still have, I don't know, fifteen plus matches in the Premier League to bet on, and then another ten coming up in, in Italy. So lots of lots of time to uh lots of time left to to make some units.
2: Yeah, I think you nailed it, dude. And it's like so many matches that I feel like um, this time of year, it's a it's a more condensed schedule than usual. I don't know. I, I think the leagues probably made some adjustments, right? Because coach, back me up on this. Italy used to take off for like three weeks, right? Like they they, 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 time.
0: they used to be a couple of years ago. They they changed it to a more Premier League setting, not like as congested yeah. as Premier League, but they used to be more on that like La Liga schedule and the Bundesliga where they would take those couple of weeks off around the holidays. Now it's Jam-packed. Is it because we
1: have Europa in, in the summer? Not Europa, excuse me. Euros in the summer? So they're trying to, like, condense the season?
0: I, I don't know if it's for ratings-wise, because they've no. been doing it for a few years now. I, I don't know if they just feel like this is a good time to get people to tune in, because, you know, less people are working, yeah. you know? Uh, I think it could be that. Um This year, it works out pretty well for them, where it's, like, right before the holiday, you know, they play a lot of Saturday matches, so... I don't know, but uh, it's good for us. Keeps us involved, keeps us interested. If I know for me as a Roma fan, it's a lot of big matches in a short yeah. time, um, which keeps it even more interesting. So I, I enjoy it. I, I, those mid those mid winter breaks, holiday breaks are kind of a bummer when you're you're off from work and you have the time to watch and you can't watch no. them.
2: No, I was going to say like, I got exciting. We had Boxing Day. I mean that that round of fixtures is currently taking place as we're recording this. Uh, I, I'm bummed that we didn't cover those because I went four zero yesterday. It's like my Best day in a very, very, very long time. So uh
0: I I have mixed feelings on yesterday, Nick, because I told you guys I had a, a little parlay. DraftKings had a thirty-three percent boost on a single game parlay or single game parlay plus. And you know, with with football, it's hard to get three legs. So I had um Bournemouth money line, and I parlayed that with Villa double chance and under four and a half. And mm. Villa was up two-nothing in halftime, and I I thought I was money, it was like plus two eighty or something. It was something pretty solid with a boost. And lo and behold, it was just the Garnacho show in the second half. Philip capitulated, and and it kind of ruined my my Boxing Day. Well,
2: I think yeah. that's a beautiful introduction into our buy or sell because I have a lot of thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's you're right, Nick. I think it's a good way to segue into it. I mean, where we're at now, we, obviously, we just talked that we are still recording in the middle of the Boxing Day uh, fixtures, but after these games wrap up, we'll be at the midway point for the Premier League season. So. Doing a little special buy or sell this week, just kind of doing a uh, look at the storylines for the first half of the season and where you guys and where we think uh, the dust will settle when May comes around and uh, the table becomes more finalized. So we'll kick things off with uh, with Aston Villa. First buy or sell. Aston Villa currently sitting in, I believe, third place in the Premier League table. Okay. Yep. Third place, uh, currently one point back behind Arsenal, um, and they are... Five points ahead of Manchester City uh, in fifth place. I think we've written off Aston Villa as title contenders for now, but do you guys buy or sell them as Champions League qualifiers come season's end?
0: I I'm buying it for now, and even even though they've got it, they left a sour taste in my mouth yesterday. I do think that hurt their title chances, like you said. But when I look at the clubs below them, besides City, obviously who has two matches in hand and and will probably at, at some point lap Villa when they get those matches played. Um, they could go up uh, by them uh, by a point Um, you know I don't I don't think they're there with Liverpool Arsenal and City in terms of the longevity of of being able to fight for a title to the very end but you look at Spurs they've come down to earth I just saw they lost Romero for a few weeks now so there goes their probably best center back for some time we we know the other injuries they've dealt with Mm -hmm. Uh, United did get the big win against Villa yesterday but are they good enough to make up eight points I, I honestly don't know I mean we saw what Villa did to uh, it was City and Arsenal just a couple weeks ago. When they're at home, they cook, right? They they keep teams bottled up. And at home, right now, there's still eight wins and one draw, unbeaten, which is which is huge for them. So if they can keep up that home form and just continue to do what they've pretty much done on the road, which is play 500, um, you know, winning percentage football with their four two and four, with two to the two being the draws, I think they do have enough. Um, but the only thing that would concern me is like a match like yesterday. You're up two nothing, you couldn't lock it down, or even hold them to a draw. At that point, they couldn't lock it down at 2 0, couldn't lock it down at 2 1, even 2 2. That's my only concern. But I do think at the moment, I would buy them as a top four team with with half the matches played in the Premier League season.
2: So this is eerily similar to the buyer sell we had on last week's show when we talked about Napoli missing top four. And I think Scotty jumped right in and was like, I've been trying to buy this all season. But then you kind of look at what else the circumstances around it. And First glance, um, you know, obviously yesterday's result is fresh in our mind. They had a terrible draw to Sheffield United at home the week before. And, you know, they have subpar games. You know, we, we've seen them kind of do it against Burnmouth. We've seen a couple of stumbles here and there, um, right? They they lost, um, I forget who else it was, or maybe it was that draw against Wolves. Um, You know, like they're not handling the, "Quote unquote bottom teams, right? But then, coach mentioned you go out, you beat Arsenal, you beat City in back to back weeks. Um, so, who is the real Aston Villa? I guess twelve wins through nineteen matches is great. I, I'm on the fence with just the team itself because I don't think they have the offensive firepower. I think um, you know they're they've been doing well. I mean, they've scored forty goals, right? That's top of the league, but I just feel like a lot of those were like. You know, they had six in one game. They had five in another. I think they had six or seven, maybe even in the third game. So I think those numbers are just a little bit skewed. But then you kind of look at what else is going on. So we have Liverpool and Arsenal. I think we're all going to pencil the two of them in. City is in fifth currently, but they have two games in hand on Villa. I think it would be a shock for City not to be in the top four. So now you're fighting with Tottenham, United, West Ham, Newcastle, Brighton. And I don't know... I think Villa's kind of built themselves up a little bit of a cushion whereas mm-hmm. if if they can just start taking care of the Brentfords and the Crystal Palaces and the Everton's of the world man it's it's definitely theirs to lose so I'm going to buy that is Villa's position to lose I I hope that's a fair statement to make
1: Yeah Nick I think you had a good call back to our episode last week cuz I think my answer is going to be similar um to what I said about Napoli where it, to me it's like if you're going to sell Villa falling out of the top four, you have to buy somebody else to climb into it. And so, like I said, with Napoli, it's like, who are you going to pick from those teams right now that are in, you know, fifth to ninth place to to jump them. Um, So for me, like I think if you're going to buy Aston Villa in the top four, you have to sell probably Tottenham and United um, to miss out. I think that's okay. Um, And I think the reason why it's okay is because Tottenham are in for a really rough January. Um, So we know that, the injuries that coach just mentioned, um, Romero's going to be out now. They're also going to lose the rest of their midfield with Basuma and Pape Sar, um is going to AFCON. Sun is going to be going to the Asia Cup. So I think January is going to be a really tough period for them. I think they're probably going to drop some points. They're probably going to drop a lot of points in January. I think they'll get healthy in February, and in March, they'll probably make their run. Um, you know, they don't have any sort of European competition to worry about. Villa does. So maybe that's where Tottenham kind of makes it an, an interesting competition. Um, but the way that Aston Villa are playing right now, it kind of reminds me of like an earlier uh, year of, of Klopp's Liverpool where they have a really strong attack. They can score goals, but their defense just isn't quite keeping up. So it's a really fun team to watch as like a neutral. You get to see lots of goals. It's usually pretty you know, back and forth like we saw against United where, you know, unfortunately for Villa, they conceded a two goal lead. But um, I think that kind of play is. Usually good enough to get you to the top four in the Premier League, but it certainly is not good enough to make you a title contender. You usually need to have that defense. And I think that's where, you know, City right now is honestly falling short too. Their defense is not as good as it has been in years past. And although they have Holland and they're going to be getting back to Bruyne and they're going to score goals aplenty, the defense is not as solid as it needs to be to be a, a, you know, a title contender in the modern day Premier League. So I do buy. Aston Villa to wrap things up as a, as a top four team. I think they'll get through just because I think Tottenham are really going to struggle in January. If it wasn't for this January period for Tottenham, I think they would probably still be able to scrounge it out. But I think like you guys said, Aston Villa is going to build a really big lead. March, Tottenham will try to make the run, but I don't know if it'll be enough time. I think um, good call out too, right? European competition, right? Villa is going to have
2: aspirations to go pretty far in the in the Europa League.
1: Think they're conference league right yeah yeah so that's a competition where they can
0: probably rotate a little bit in the earlier knockout stages if they run into like a fiorentina or um uh, i think it's is it frankfurt who's the german side that's in the competition like one of those sides maybe then they have to play a little stronger lineup but usually can avoid that until like the quarters of the semi so they, they've got a pretty good path in europe too compared to some of his other sides yet yeah, spurs doesn't have that but like scotty said there's a lot there's a lot of injury issues with spurs
2: united and, doesn't and, have it either coach just some throwing united that out there.
0: no longer has yeah, that is true yeah. that is, <laughs> what 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 a travesty right that they don't have it but um no i i do think like i said i think village is, is building up that cushion that's what's so big for them if they could have gotten a draw yesterday i united would have been what like 10 points back or something so hurts a little bit yeah. but i think maybe this will be a learning experience for them maybe something they yep. can take away from it and how how to manage games moving forward, especially against the big sides on the road. Look, if you build up two nothing lead, you cannot blow that. If you're a Champions league qualifying team, it's you can't let it happen again.
2: Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say, which leans more to the buy side, if you're looking between Villa Tottenham, United West Ham, Newcastle pride, like, uh, Emery is the best coach. He's the most established coach there. I think that's going to make the difference. You can say whatever you want about, and she's playing, he's doing really well with Tottenham, but, uh,
1: Emery's kind of in a class all of his own, right? His his results, his track record speaks for themselves. Yeah, I would say he's definitely the most experienced and established. I think there's obviously a potential with Ange come two or three years from now that his you know heights will be higher than Emery's heights, but too soon to tell on that. We'll have to give him a couple more years, but yep. we'll move on. Um, so speaking of Europa League, my next buy or sell for you guys, we talked about you know, those top five teams between Liverpool, Arsenal, Villa, Tottenham, and City. That usually means you got about two spots left for Europa League. Right now we got a, a pretty close heat between four clubs, um, United, West Ham, Newcastle, and Brighton, um, for those two spots. But the two that I want to talk about in this one, United and Newcastle, do you guys buy or sell either of these to be Europa League qualifiers come season end?
2: I'm buying United over newcastle and it really 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 pains me to say that because we hate united and we love newcastle but newcastle is in free fall and i just don't see any end Uh, i don't remember granted uh, we talked about it right they had a a brutal schedule they were in the hardest champions league group but they just can't seem to get anything going right now um I, i think it's a mixture of Personnel, I think it's a it's a mixture of injuries. It's a mixture of they probably overperformed a little bit last year. I mean, it's kind of like Lazio and Serie A, right? I mean, different, but the same in the sense that they overperformed last year. And I think the league is just a little bit tougher, right? Um, and United, to me, just... It, I, I don't want to say they're writing the ship after one win, but it, I just feel like have a stronger roster uh you know we could joke about players certainly there's a, a lot to be desired out of out of their forward lineup right now but you saw like a game like yesterday at garnacho man that dude is a baller he could win a game by himself and I don't know that Newcastle has anybody like that I think Isak has looked good but um you know it's it's still really his first full healthy year in the premier League and he hasn't even been healthy all year so yeah. um I, I just kind of worry who's gonna Carry Newcastle, I think, and you know, it maybe my answer is different after the January transfer window because these are yeah. two teams that I expect to be active um, United because they have to be, and Newcastle because they have all this money. But let's see, I, I think right now, I, I think United is just in a little bit better position.
0: So, we, we are going off the assumption that only fifth place gets Europa League right now. Um, is that how it works? Yeah, it I also, unless one of the top five wins, which cup? Well, I'm uh, going off the assumption there's going to or... be
1: two teams that make Europa. Do you think that these? Because even if we assume that top five go to Champions League, you still need to have two spots between those other four clubs.
0: Well, because in the Premier League, one of the Europa League spots is cup tied, right? Unless one of those teams wins something, um, like um, the FA Cup, or is that how it works in in Premier League? I, I, I know it's different so. in every league. Like I know Serbia, yeah. one of their spots is. Tied to the, the Copa Italia, but usually like sixth place gets it because usually one of the top five teams wins the Copa. So no. I, I, if we're saying like one of these teams finishes top six, I guess we'll say um, to get that Europa League spot. I, it's hard. I, I I agree with Nick. I think it's hard to trust Newcastle right now. Team of the Pod, but I'm concerned for them because even when I look at the, the table and I see that Spurs is at 36 with 18 matches played and Newcastle's down on 29. With 19 matches played, that's another team they're going to have to, to leapfrog yeah. at some point. You know, West Ham still has a match in hand, so they could technically be four up heading into the midway point, which I'm not saying West Ham's going to stick around, but it's still another team you have to deal with. Um, and United, maybe, you know, like Nick said, uh, I also agree. I don't think you can go off of a one match turn the season around performance, but I think the way they came back yesterday, will have them energized a bit mm. heading into the match against forest on uh, the weekend um, on Saturday. And look, then they have spurs head to head. That'll kind of be a telling thing for them. Um, but I'm starting to, to, to believe that Newcastle's in more trouble than United right now, I think is, is what it comes down mm. to. I think at the moment, you know, January transfer window, Nick made a great point there who, who does more, who reinforces, maybe that makes a difference but in terms of results right now, Newcastle, very worrisome. I've, I've completely stopped betting them the past few weeks because as good as they were to us the past couple of years, when we've, we've gone to them with good lines, they've been very inconsistent and, and unreliable lately. And I think if we're looking at, you know, only one of these teams gets in through the league route and somebody else gets in through the cup route or whatever, I don't see Newcastle finishing top six right now. I, I don't, I think Spurs and, and United are ahead of them besides the other four teams we mentioned in the in the Villa piece.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to kind of nail down that point, Coach, you know, December has been a terrible month for Newcastle. They started the month okay. They had a one nothing win against uh, United at home. But then they followed it up with a 3-0 loss to Everton, a 4-1 loss to Tottenham. They lost to Milan in, in the Champions League. Then they did beat Fulham 3-0. So that's their one uh, you know, good mark for the month of December. And then the last three matches have been when they got eliminated by Chelsea in the uh, Carabao Cup and then a loss at Luton Town, 1-0. And then a loss uh, at home to Nottingham Forest, which weirdly enough might even be the worst of the bunch. So yeah. form has certainly been a problem. The funny part is I kind of do agree with you guys where it, it seems like United is the most likely of the two to make Europa. Yet all the chatter we hear about managers right now is that Eric Ten Hag is the one that's on the hot seat about to get fired. And there's not been a word written about Eddie Howe and, and yep. his potential job security. I think
0: he's kind of got himself a grace period after last season, right? Because yeah. this is a club. Yeah, they're a historic club, but they haven't had the success in a really long time that United has historically. And I think Ten Hag came in with a lot more fanfare than Eddie Howe and kind of Eddie Howe right now, I'm sure to some extent still with Newcastle faithful. And I'm sure, you know, I'd love p- people to weigh in on Twitter or social media. Let us know if, th- if this is accurate or not. But I think he's still in their good graces after what he did last year because he took them to the Champions League, right? Well, they were in the Champions League for like 30 years or something. So I, I think that buys a manager some time. I think maybe the ownership understands. Look, this is our first year back. We haven't played Champions League. It wore the, the squad out. We got to do more. If they finish like 10th, will he still have the, the good graces by May? I don't. I don't know if that's you know going to be viable still. But I think at this moment, I think United fans are expecting more from Ten Hag. Yeah. especially after last year when they made that push for the title for quite some time we thought they were in the mix until probably what like february march last year yeah. they they destroyed city and we're like wow maybe this united is turning it around so i think that could play into it too where it's like the yankees in a sense where like if and nick's an orioles fan right if the orioles make the playoffs like they did this year a manager's gonna have a lot more leeway the next year than the yankees completely capitulating i, I mean aaron boone's still a manager so maybe doesn't Ring as true as like the, the <laughs> that's the exactly 90s, true 2000 <laughs> right? If, you know, if maybe it doesn't ring as true as, but you know, Ten Hag still got a job, Aaron Boone still has a job. I don't know if this is like an apples to apples comparison, but I yeah, think
1: the kind of mindset
0: of the fans and the history behind the club and things like that kind of give so- a manager a little more leash, so to speak.
2: So here's what I'll say, and I agree with your points, by the way. I think Scotty hit the nail on the head of a couple things. Last year, they were in the title race for a very long time because of how good Rashford was over a two-month yes. span. Um, but right now, I, and listen, I understand expectations are different for Manchester United, right? Like, that's just, you mentioned the Yankees. It's like the Yankees. Um, he only has two less wins than Liverpool, than Arsenal, than Aston Villa. He's level on wins with Manchester City. We. What exactly is he not doing well? I mean, yeah, I get it. The Champions League was a disaster. I understand that. Uh, They they are losing a lot of games. I understand that. But this isn't way
0: to draw those losses. This
2: isn't exactly a a superstar monstars lineup. Like that's the real point.
1: It's uh, what 10 hog is accomplishing with the roster he has and the turmoil. It's not just the talent, but it's also like the attitudes and like yeah. the locker room issues that have plagued United for years, multiple managers. Yeah. Like it's just very like ironic that he's the one in the hot seat, despite the fact that all those points you just made, Nick, like he's doing really well considering all the strife he's had to deal with outside of, you know, actual game planning and, and management. Yeah. Um, I will wrap I our
0: graphic too, Scott, since you're on the Liverpool side. His first however many matches he's been in charge on, if it's like 50 now or 60, whatever it is, they compared it to Klopp, and it, it's fairly similar to Klopp's first two mm-hmm. seasons at, at Liverpool, which shows mm-hmm. that he's maybe not doing as bad of a job as, as people are making it out to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like you mentioned, Rasmus Hojland, that was his first goal yesterday. He, he got mm-hmm. the winner that propelled them to victory, but they spent 75 million pounds or whatever it was on this guy, and he's got one goal. I mean, what else can he do? Rashford's not scoring. Ten Hag can't put the ball in the net either.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll Coach, that kind of segues into my last little point that I'll I'll wrap up here. You guys brought up the January transfer window. Who's going to spend most between Newcastle and United might be the difference in who gets that Europa League spot. I think the assumption fairly is that Newcastle has the funds and they have a, a virtual league that they can use to draw from. Watch out for United in the January transfer window because they did just complete that Ineos takeover. Twenty five percent of the uh, club was sold to Ineos and Sir Jim Radcliffe. He's also taking over control of the operations of the club. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it wrapped up the week or two before the January transfer window opened. I think that's kind of a hint that there's going to be some some changes coming in January and maybe more than what we're accustomed to with a, a mid season transfer window. All right. We will wrap up our cover of the mid-season Premier League review with one last buy or sell. This was going to be our our favorite club to watch right now and potentially laugh at and take enjoyment of, but do you guys buy or sell Chelsea right now finishing in the top half of the table? not even talking about qualifying for Europe. (laughs) We're just saying they're going to be a top 10 club in the Premier League. Buy or sell that given everything that you've seen so far this season.
2: Man, I really, 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 really want to sell it. So they're in 11th, they're on 22 points. Burnmouth is in 10th on 25, Brighton in 9th on 27. Um, I want to sell it because Chelsea is not doing anything right. I think for all the money they've spent, they still look like a complete disaster. Um, people probably had different expectations with Potch coming in, but this Jackson guy has... Hasn't really played all that much, right? He's been hurt or suspended or something. I you don't talk know. About like...
1: Jackson has been no. playing. He's the one that's been missing. Is
2: he just the chance. one not scoring? Okay. He's no, terrible. Nkunku, I know, just had his first He's game like, back, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that's going to be a big boost for them. Sterling is awful. I mean, that dude just good for him in the the early career that he had, and he made an impact at Liverpool in that city. He's not it anymore. I, I think for all the money they've spent, they still can't score goals. That just and they. Can't seem to stop them from going in this year, right? They have, a, I think, an even goal differential. So I really want to sell it, but I have to imagine that they still will go out and buy one or two guys. They, they'll they have to start to right the ship a little bit. I like Burnmouth. Great story. Um, but I, I think Chelsea probably have to overtake them. And it wouldn't shock me to see a West Ham and Newcastle of Brighton to drop some points. I think they have to finish in the top half of the table. I, I can't see a scenario where they don't.
0: Yeah, I agree. I as much as I'd love to to see them finish 11th or, or worse where they're sitting right now, um just to kind of continue this this story that's been going on for a year and a half. Now. I I don't think it'll happen. They're only 3 behind Bournemouth and Bournemouth is playing really well right now. Can they sustain it? I don't know. I think Nkuku will help like Nick said. Um, you know, they they've scored a decent amount of goals at 29. It's, it's you know, right up there with like the West Hams, and it's more than United and and clubs like that. Um, and their defensive record's not much worse than the teams around them. So I think talent at the end is going to win out to 10th at worst. I, I do think they pass at least Bournemouth. I don't see Wolves or Fulham or any of those clubs passing them at this point. So I think they're, they're 10th at worst. I think maybe they can slip up to ninth if you know Brighton or, or some of those teams slip up a little bit. Um, you know, Maybe West Ham makes a deep Europa League run and has to sacrifice a little bit in the league or something. Maybe they slip up a little bit. But um, I, I think... Considering the only three behind Bournemouth, I, I can't see them finishing lower than 10th. So top half, I, I
1: buy. Yeah. I will say there's there's one dark horse that could kind of ruin this. I will also buy them finishing in the top half by the skin of their teeth in tenth. But I think the club that's actually going to challenge them the most for that tenth spot is Everton. Well, is there any know. appeal? I was just I was just thinking that as you were saying that I, I, I knew you were gonna go to Everton. Like, is there an appeal
0: for those 10 points? Is there any recourse think that they so. could get any of it back? now?
1: I, I don't think so. I think they're actually oddly enough, they're more concerned about making sure that they don't get another 10 points. Cause they have similar financial issues for the year mm. following the year that they got docked for. Um, but it should be okay. But if you do give them those 10 points, they're on a 52 point, you know, yeah. uh, per season pace. pace right now. So that would put them around 42 at the end of the season. Chelsea right now on pace for 44. So they'd be neck and neck, um, coming down to the, to the wire for the last, the, uh, Last match, but Everton have also been in decent form lately. I think uh, we kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago, but Dice has really gotten his, you know, footprint on the squad now. They're playing in true Dice fashion, and so uh, this, you know, fifty-two point pace is, is already pretty good. I might expect that to be closer to like maybe even a sixty-point pace in the second half of the season, which would be a, a really, really good turnaround for Everton, considering where they were the last two seasons.
2: Yeah, good on them. Eight wins already. Um, similar to United, they don't draw games. They only have two draws. So, uh, interesting team to watch. I'm like, you know, it's it, they're one of those teams. They're like United. Like the league is better when like Everton is interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they've been kind of in this relegation form, but now, like, knowing that they can go out there and anything could happen, any given match, I don't know. It's a lot more fun. It's harder to bet on. But yeah, um, I enjoy
1: it just because they now take points off of other top six. Right, clubs. right. Even when they're terrible, they can still take <laughs> points off of Liverpool just to, it's their Super Bowl. So now that they're actually decent enough to like threaten yeah. the United's and the Tottenham's here and there, like at least it levels Liverpool's playing field a little bit.
2: I don't want to speak for coach, but I definitely thought you were going with Wolves when you said that. Because Wolves have also been pretty good.
0: No, I I thought of Everton right away just because I knew (laughs) they had the 10-point deduction. They've been playing well. Uh, Just to give some betting angle to this, uh, since that's what we're all about, if you look at, to finish top 10 right now, team futures, the team with the, you know, Chelsea's minus 600 finish top 10. And then it's West Ham minus 285 and then Bournemouth plus 250. So the team they see being out of the top 10 is Bournemouth, as we discussed. And the the books see Chelsea finishing ahead of West Ham. Um, And then just to give... A little angle to our other two points we were making. Spurs is still slightly ahead of Villa in the betting side of it, plus one hundred to plus one ten. So the books see those two battling it out for fourth position. Um, and then top six, yeah, uh, right now Spurs is is locked in as the fifth favorite. Uh, Newcastle plus one hundred, United plus one fifty. So just to give give those some uh, some context in terms of betting lines.
1: There you have it. I mean, you can't argue with the books, never. All right, Coach. You want to take us into uh, your club, Roma, playing Juve this weekend? All right, yeah. So Roma coming
0: off a big, big win against Napoli at home. Uh, you know, the 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 monkey on Roma's back this year was they couldn't beat another team that's battling for top four European this races. Year? Well, they they beat Juve last year and Inter last year. So how'd they finish? It's been, it, it's been a problem for them under okay. Mourinho. This year, it's their first first one against the top four type mm-hmm. side. Um so yes it's been it's been a problem for 2 years but this is the you know this was the first one this year to give us some context. So Roma with the win jumps up to 6th in the table on 28 points, three off of Bologna who's fourth, two off Fiorentina of in 5th. Juve still standing strong in second place, four points off Inter on 40. Um very comfortable in second. Milan 7 behind them in third place. So this is a match where I think We'll get into it. I'll give the betting lines first, but Juve plus 105 at home, big favorite draw line plus 200 Roma plus 285 Roma on the draw. No bet is plus 170. Um, the over under here really is you got to look at the, the Asian money line to get any real context here. Over two is minus 105. The under is minus 135. So like the over under two and a half, unless you think there's goals to be had, you can't go under and the over one and a half, no value there. So it's really got to look at the Asian line for, that both teams to score at at plus 120, the no is at minus 160. So, I think rightly so, knowing Allegri and Mourinho, the, the line is set low at two, pretty much. Uh, the both teams to score being plus money is, is very interesting as well. Uh, it's not often you see two uh, top six type sides going head to head and seeing a both teams to score at plus money like this. I'm not surprised that Roma is a pretty big underdog at the Allianz. It's been a tough place for them to play historically. But uh, Nick, does this surprise you? Anything about these lines surprise you? Let me, let me ask you that first.
2: Yeah, I think you nailed it. Both teams to score being such a big number uh, jumped out at me. But then I think if you, if you kind of take a look at the teams, you take a look at the context, past performances, and I'm not looking at the past performances right now, but I imagine a lot of one, nothing wins and dirty, disgusting games with a ton of cards. Um but then I started to think, well, who's really scoring the goals, right? We have DiBala may or may not play, may or may not feature for 90 minutes. Uh, Steve, you could speak to that more than I can. Uh, Lukaku's kind of cooled off. I think he did score last week, which was good for him, but definitely has cooled off a little bit. We talked about Pellegrini and his struggles. Um, so I don't really know what kind of lineup I'm going to get out of Roma. I think that lends itself there. Juve, same type of thing. Listen, I've. We have been praising them and Max pretty much all season. They're doing a fantastic job with another below average squad, if we're being honest um but they're not really getting strong goal contributions from any of their anybody right regularly uh Vlahovic, his first goal in what like two months i think last week um Kiesa hasn't really been doing anything uh they're you know guys coming off the bench Millick and Keen uh haven't done anything. They're relying on an odd goal from a midfielder, from a defender, off of a set piece. They do really, really well with set pieces. So you start to think about it. And then I think back to the last two or three weeks where I took like a Roman of both teams to score and they've let me down. So I think that plus 120 number is kind of dangling out there for somebody to be like, oh, my God, this is great. And it'll wind up not hitting. So that that's kind of I, I think the over under is probably spot on. Like, again, I want to take the over. Uh, at least at two, it's kind of safe where you could see a, a 1-1 game, a 2-0 game, but it's, uh, it's really tough to play a total in this one. And um, I think, unfortunately, it's probably too early to, to look at any card lines or anything like that. So uh tough one to make from a total from a prop standpoint. I think it's a lot clearer when you're picking a team to win. I will reserve my thoughts because I do have a play, but uh, I want Scotty's thoughts on this one.
1: Yeah, I think when I see a match like this, I try to to read between the lines. Pardon the pun, um, but you know, the, at face value, I would think Juve would be a, a bit heavier of a favorite here. Um, yeah. But seeing them money line plus one hundred five, you know, try to figure out why why that why that might be the case. And I think it really just comes down to the fact that they do see this being a a very goal scarce type of match. So they're figuring that like the draw here might be a, a heavy. Um, heavy possibility
2: very low so, draw line I'm sorry just to, to interject you yeah. plus 200 is like
1: nothing yeah. you're usually seeing a plus 265 plus 270 minimum yeah and so one of the things I kind of look at we know this can be a defensive game given the two managers and, and their style of play interesting little bit of odds that I looked at just to kind of get an edge or a sense um, first goal uh, they have Juve at minus 140 as the favorite to score first Roma plus 150 And I think this is a kind of a match where if you're the team that scores first, you're probably not losing. Like, I don't think any team is going to come from behind here and get all three points. So, um, you know, knowing Allegri, if they score first, God, it's going to be however many minutes, you know, if they score the Mm -hmm. 10th minute or this 80th minute, it's going to be full defense from there on out. Um, and probably likewise for Mourinho. So, you know, I, I do prefer probably Juve as like to win. If I had to pick someone to win, I'd go certainly Juve on this. But the draw line to me is very enticing because it does feel like it's going to be one of those matches where even if you, you know, see someone score in like the 10th or 20th minute, like it's just going to be an all out attack from the team that's behind. And it's just a matter of if you can get that equalizer or not.
0: Yeah. So just to give some context to that point with the first team to score, Juve is unbeaten in their last 12 in the league. Uh, a couple of draws mixed in with the wins. I don't have exactly how many wins, how many draws, but they are first to score in their last 10 matches, which speaks to why they are unbeaten in their last 12. Good bet. Uh and Roma's first to score in five of their last seven. So first goal, I think, is huge. I, I talked about this on, on my Rome podcast last night. I think Roma needs to score first if they want to win, but I think uh first goal, like to Scott's point, probably guarantees at least a point for either side. Because I don't see either side kind of capitulating once they're up. Um the managers it, the, the lines are set the way they are because we've seen these mourinho Allegri matchups before, right? And th- this is kind of what they produce. There was one kind of, like, can't think of the word I'm looking for, but, like, it bucked the trend a couple years ago in Rome when, when Juve came back from down 3-1 against Roma, won 4-3. But other than that, the the other three head-to-heads between Allegri and Mourinho in the last two years that he's been at Roma, one nothing Juve uh, in their first matchup. Then it was that 4-3. Then it was 1-1 at the Allianz last year in August, early in the season, and then Roma won a- in Rome 1-0 uh, back in March last year. So it- it's been very low scoring, very tight. In some ways, I think that plays into it plays into both managers' hands because they don't really have to worry about a high attacking side going and pressuring their back line a lot. I do think it maybe plays in Roma hands a little bit more because they can be a little more fragile than Juve at times, and I don't think they have to worry about the kind of attack that can really give them trouble um, if Juve is not you know, with their best player. So Chiesa is questionable for this one. Um, I saw he's back in training, but who knows if he starts. I saw Locatelli is also questionable. He's kind of got that long distance shot, which I've seen um, give Roma some some trouble in the past. He had one callback by VAR last year from from distance to try to draw that Roma back line. So I think it's be very interesting. You mentioned DiBala; He is back in training. Does he start? Probably not. He's probably coming off the bench. He's probably that wild card for Roma. Maybe Chiesa ends up being the same thing for Juve. I don't know. Um, but without those two, it's going to be really hard for either side to, I think, hit on the counterattack too, which really plays into this this low scoring zero zero one 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 zero type match, which I think we might get.
2: So you got no goal scorer sitting at plus five fifty. Uh, I don't so then, necessarily yeah. think this is a zero zero game, but man, that's a hell of a number to take a shot. Um, I really also don't mind Lukaku at plus two eighty. I think that's a really favorable number for him, especially in this matchup. Um, but it's, yeah, I I think everything points to this being a low scoring game. Everything you guys said, the style of managers, the, the fact that, you know, one point for Juve is probably a good enough result in this game for them. Uh, but at home, I think they're going to be looking for all three.
0: And and I think conversely for Roma, if, if they can go to the Alliance and get a point against second place, Juve, I think for them, that feels almost like a victory because historically it's hard to win there. Um, you know, they they gained some momentum beating Napoli and it gives them a little leeway in the top four race. If you get a point off Juve, it's probably a positive point in some ways, unless you blow a lead, of course. Um, but if you can find a way to get a point, I think in, in Turin against a second place, Juve, that's been so good. I think that'd be uh, kind of a moral victory in some ways for Roma too, with, uh, who is it next week? Atalanta coming in next week.
2: Under half a goal, first half, plus 125. That's not bad. It's not
1: bad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. No. All right. Well, with that, I think we can now shift into our locks of the week. Um, I guess I can kick things off as I usually do. Two and one last week, trying to keep my winning ways going, as I have, I think, another six units that I gotta make up for. So um I'll kick things off with a club that maybe to borrow coaches for bucks the trend here. I'm gonna take Luton Town plus one. Um home to Chelsea. It's minus one thirty. Luton Town are currently winners of two in a row. So they're on the up and up just a bit. Um, But I think the real good news is that they've really only lost by more than one goal just once in the last two months. And that was against Brentford. I think it was three to one at the beginning of December. Um, But even better at home, they've never lost by more than a goal. So by taking them to plus one here, you should be pretty safe in terms of, you know, not necessarily losing out on the unit. Plus it's Chelsea, you know, Chelsea haven't looked great. We've kind of covered that at the beginning of the, the show, but, uh, you know, I think I think Luton Town here, they've kind of found their footing down the Premier League. I think they've got some of the veteran presences between Townsend and Barkley in the midfield that kind of help, you know, keep things a little bit more anchored and tight. So I'll take them plus one at home here against the Chelsea side that has really struggled to score goals, you know, unless Nkunku really has a coming out party this weekend. So um, I think it's a pretty safe bet. At minus one thirty, it feels like a, a decent value. It's my first lock.
0: All right. Yeah, I like it. Lewin Towns becoming a problem for the big side. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't mind that one at the all. New Nottingham Post, ah. if you will. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that's, a that's the whole line. <laughs> all right. I'm going to go with uh, Hellas Verona in my first one. Double chance and over two and a half parlay at plus 125 against Slaranitana. Hellas has started to show signs of improvement as they've clawed their way back out of the relegation zone. And despite taking a point mm-hmm. off Milan last week, Slaranitana is still the worst side in the league, and their matches usually involve goals. I like the host to win at home. I was a little skittish about taking that money line at minus one ten, so I'm going to take the protection of the double chance. And I do think there's at least three goals in this one, so I'll take that combo at plus one twenty five, and uh, hopefully get a nice plus money cash here. And you know, Hellas keeps up their their improved play.
2: Yeah, I, I like that bet. I, I looked at Hellas as well, and that combination. Um, one th- we talked about it offline. I know um, we've been. I, I've personally been talking about it with uh, some of our followers. That's a pretty cool combination of bets that, if you can get it to around even money, sometimes even better. Um, that, like, that could be a good option for this Juve Roma game, right? Like, if you like Juve double chance and under three or something like that. I don't know what it pays, um, but we should have talked about it in that segment. I think every book doesn't offer it. I know DraftKings does. I know we typically talk about DraftKings because it's what you guys use. It's the most widely available sports book in the country at this point. Um, Definitely see if your book offers it because that's a that's a really good way to approach the bet, especially if you like an underdog or or if you're just trying to get a little bit of a better number on a favorite. Um, that double chance parlayed with a an over. Good good call here, Coach. And I am going to go. The Scotty method of of my first pick, I think I agree with his logic, and I'm going to do it in Italy. I like Frosinone, plus one goal. This is my chalkiest pick in a long time. <laughs> but We have to um, – this is not a reverse jinx. We have to start stacking some wins here. I've been going one and two for like the past month. Frosinone, plus one, minus 150 at Lazio, and I'm going to tell you why. Frosinone have not lost by more than one goal in their last four, but more – impressively is they've only lost by more than one goal four times all season. This is a newly promoted side. So 17 matches uh, three or four in the cup to really only have like one or two or excuse me, I guess four uh, because I put that down only have, um, you know, four of those matches where they've lost by two goals or I think in one instance, it was three. That's really, really impressive. Um, They've scored in five out of their last six. The other game was a zero-zero, so they would win a plus one in that scenario. And I think Lazio are still who they are. They haven't figured it out. They have a zero goal differential on the season, so they've given up as many goals as they've scored. They will be missing their best player of the season, Luis Alberto. I think a one-goal win for Lazio seems like the worst possible outcome in this scenario, so we will lay the juice. Rossinone, plus one, reverse jinx.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll keep the the alert up because I also have a reverse chink of my own coming up here. And uh, that's gonna be Arsenal money line and over one and a half at Fulham. It's minus one twenty. Look, Arsenal are rolling right now, um, arguably in the best form in the Premier League outside of maybe Barnmouth for whatever reason. Um and they get a Fulham team that's really cooled off over the holiday period. Um Fulham did have a you know a pretty hot streak there where I think they scored sixteen goals in four matches, but Um, since then they've lost three consecutive premier league matches to Newcastle, Burnmouth and Burnley. I don't think you really need to overthink this one. I think Arsenal are going to, you know, take care of business. It's Fulham is exactly the type of team that they, they handle week in and week out. It's not necessarily one of those top teams that they struggle against. Arsenal's defense is as good as advertised. So, um, it's just gonna be a matter of their attacking forwards to get to. So between Martinelli, Jesus, Saka, trossard or odegaard in midfield i think they should be able to manage at least two in this one so minus 120 with the money line i think it's a, a pretty good deal i like it
0: all right i'm going with goals on my next one milan hosting sassuolo over three i'm going to the the asia line with this one at minus 125 sassuolo remains one of the easy over Me. teams of the pod uh Milan's defense is bleeding goals they gave up two to Salerno Tana last week I expect both sides to find multiple goals in in this one over three and a half is tempting but I'll take the over three in case we get a two one type match I do see goals in this though I think at, at the worst with three you're gonna push
2: yeah I love this I'm still laughing Scott at the reverse jinx that caught me so off guard it was perfect um I'm so with you on this coach I think we've said on this podcast now multiple times Sassuolo to me has the worst defense I've seen in a very very long time just watching them game in and game out i think statistically now they are the worst defense in the league so i could say that the numbers finally match up to the eye test and um milan man same thing Been talking a lot with a good friend of the podcast martino and this dude is on like a seven game streak of taking milan overs and and hitting they just seem to hit an over in every single match so i love this one um, I'm gonna go with perhaps the new team of the podcast uh, or the old team because you guys know we have been we have been on Bologna for a year and a half now. They're taking on Udinese. Money line is plus one twenty. Uh, they are away, but it is a train that is full speed ahead. Finally, nice to see recognition from basically everybody in the football world for Thiago Motta for the team he is putting together here, but. We're not going to focus on Bologna in this match. We're going to focus on Udinese. They fucking stink. And I think, um, you know, what a team with one win so far this year, a couple of draws, plus 120 seems kind of trappy, maybe a little bit disrespectful. But I think if Bologna can take care of Roma, Inter, Atalanta in their last three matchups, they should not be overlooking Udinese in this one. World's most boring team, second coach already. Can't seem to find more than one goal in any given match. Plus money, 120, Bologna.
1: It's pretty crazy that Bologna are in top four with just 21 goals. I mean, it's they're far behind everybody else in the top eight, and they're even behind Frozenone and, and Sassuolo yeah. in terms of it. So credit to their defense, because that's really been keeping them afloat.
2: Yeah, defense has been outstanding. I think um, they play the four two three one, 2 3 The guy is Xerxes. He, he's really, really talented, but he's not – to me, like a, an out and out striker. I think he's more of probably more of a traditional winger. Like kind of reminds me of like Memphis, like early days Memphis, like that kind of skill set. Mm. But they're trying to shoehorn him in the middle. I think they need some offensive help in January. I don't know where it comes from. Um Orcellini has also missed over a month worth of game time. Yeah. So he's had he's had two injuries. That's really hurting them. I just think they're lacking forward depth. But man, if they can get one more guy to Spell Xerxes a little bit. They could really make a push to finish in that top five.
1: All right. Well, I will wrap things up with my final lock of the week. I'm going with Everton. Draw no bet at Wolverhampton. It's plus 105, which kind of surprised me given the form that Everton are in. Um, They had a four-match winning streak going on in the month of December, but it came to an end uh, against Tottenham last weekend. They lost two to one. They also have a a tough task against Manchester City today as we record, so yesterday, as you are listening. So maybe they win, but probably not. Um, So I view this game against Wolverhampton as kind of a get-right game. I think uh, they'll have a little bit of a bounce back. Um, Wolverhampton will start to lose some ground as well, because they're going to be losing um, Huang to the Asia Cup as well, He plays for Korea, Um, but... You know, I am going to take the draw no bet just in case, because as we've mentioned, Wolverhampton have been super erratic in their form. Some games they play the top teams like they are a top team themselves, and then they go ahead and lose points to a Luton Town or a Nottingham Forest. So I can see them being you know, up for this one for whatever reason. Um, So I'm going to give myself that coverage with the draw no bet, even though Everton um, have really looked the part, certainly the last month or so.
0: All right. So I'm going to one of our feature matches for this one. And our only feature match really, since we did by itself for premier league, it's Roma, Juve. I'm going to Roma double chance at Juve at minus minus one forty. Juve's is unbeaten in their last 12, like I mentioned earlier, but has conceded in five of their last six, uh, which was somewhat of a surprise to me. Roma's coming off that huge win against Napoli at the Olympico. I think Mourinho will have his side ready for this one with the boost of DiBala being available. Even if it's as that wild card off the bench, um, Roma took four points off Juve last season. I Think that that fear of Juve is now gone. I think they have enough to at least get one point in this one, and I think Rome would be would probably be pretty happy with one point. So I could see this as being a one-one type match, and I'm going to take the double chance at minus one forty.
2: So good news, bad news for you guys because I am also on this game, but I am on the opposite side. So we cannot statistically go ten to zero this week, but we also can't go Oh, and ten because I like Juve money line. Plus 105. We talked about it. Juve have not lost in 12 matches. They've been an absolute house for the podcast this year. And I think we have to like them against an inconsistent Roma side at home at plus money. Seems like this is a match that they're really going to want. Max. Hasn't let them slip up yet. I think they've had enough, more than enough time to prepare for this matchup. Uh, We talked about the boost of Dybala. They could also have a boost of Chiesa if he can come off the bench. I just, um, I think Juve grinds one out in this game, man. It's not going to be pretty, but they're going to get it done. They're going to get their one goal win plus 105. I mean, could something crazy happen? And maybe they finally score two or three goals in the game. Maybe, um, because we know Roma hasn't looked all that great on D, but I, it just this game just jumped out as, like, how does Juve lose?
0: All right, and our pod lock, we're staying in steady out of this week. Remember, our pod lock is 1051 plus plus 3.8 units on the season. Uh, Monza, plus a goal at Napoli. Napoli is a mess right now, and at minus 140, we're taking this. Uh, after falling to Roma last weekend, the defending champs are now 7th and 4 points off a of 4th. They enter this one down Osiman and Politano to suspension, as well as Nathan and Labotka to injury, all in that defeat to Roma. Now they welcome Monza, who's never an easy customer. Monza should at worst keep this one close and a uh result is not out of the question for the visitors. I think at worst we get a push here similar to our, our Lecce bet last week, but I, I do think Monza can can definitely find a way to draw this match and cash this at minus 140.
2: Yeah, just for um Knowledge. Monza's only given up eighteen goals in seventeen matches. Yeah, they don't so give up a lot. They've been you know. really, really good from that standpoint. I think they've also been kind of unlucky on some of their results. I mean, I, I bet against them last week. I had Fiorentina. Fiorentina did win that game, one nothing. But the game was all Monza. Like if if you blindly watched that game and said who did Nick bet on, you would have thought it would have been Monza because they deserve to win and couldn't get the result so um i think they're a tough customer this this reminds me a lot of my Lazio Frosinone bet right you gotta kind of fade a team like Napoli who's in shambles currently could they still get a result yes um but a draw is as likely as anything Uh, Napoli one goal result seems like the the worst possible outcome and we'll take that push
1: yeah and i'm throwing in another unofficial pick since we did one a couple weeks ago and it won the under two and a half, I also like in this one, given the fact yeah, that listen minute yeah. is out. So throwing that out there in the ha-
2: universe. You do have to remember, we are undefeated currently in unofficial
1: bets. That's right.
0: All right, so that'll wrap it up for 2023. We thank you for listening, and we thank you for riding with us even through our rough couple uh, couple weeks here. We promised 2024 to be more, more winning, less losing. At least we hope. Uh, you can, of course, find us on social media, on Twitter all of your favorite pod platforms and YouTube, depending on where you're, you're listening here, if you've made it this far. And uh, happyhoursports.net. Scotty's got his weekly Premier League piece going there. We occasionally do some other things there, as well as our Patreon page. So give us a follow to all those places. We thank you for listening, and Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year.